Let's pray before we go to the word. Lord, thank you so much for even just this morning waking up and seeing the snow fall. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a reminder um, of the seasons. It's a reminder of um, you, your power, and just the beauty that you bring. Thank you for that. Father, thank you that we are able to gather right now as the body here at Kingwood Bible Church. I pray that you would speak to us. So as I was praying this morning, here's the deal. You speak. Will I listen? You have spoken. So I don't need to ask you to speak. You have spoken. It's do I listen? So Father, my, my, my prayer, not only for my church family, but for my own heart, is that my heart would be able to receive that which you are speaking. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, we're going to continue looking through the book of 1 John. We're, we're um, going to focus on 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. This morning, remember last week I was sharing with you that in, in the book of 1 John, You've got John, the Apostle John, who, um, who is, and by the way, my mind is just, as I'm looking out, um, I'm going to just pause here really quick because I'm seeing Sylvia, just a praise that Allison continues to do better. And I would also ask you to continue to pray. She's been taken out of ICU. We praise, we do, we praise the Lord for that. And, um, and she has had a rough couple months here, hasn't she? So, and the family has been through a lot. So, Sylvia, so good to see you. Um, I know that you love your sister, and um, we love you. We love the family, and we, are, we, are, we continue to pray. Now, with that, with that, First um, John 4, John has this, he, he is not so sequential. He is kind of going in circles here, and he, he will talk about things, and he will teach them, and then he will continue to teach other things. So, you know, love of God or love for one another, he will teach us and he will go on and teach something else and then he'll come back and he'll teach that again. And so he's kind of going in circles here to some degree. So we're going to do more of those circles here today. And to help me with this, I've asked Kyle if he would come and join me. And I've asked Alyssa if she would come and join me. And I would just like them to read some passages here of, of Scripture We'll make just a brief comment about them. I'd ask uh, Kyle if he would read 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Go ahead there, Kyle. When you got it. Are we good? There we go. There we go. We're good. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, 
and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of the truth and the spirit of falsehood. Thank you, Kyle. Those verses sound somewhat familiar. I've been there. Be careful. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful the voice that you listen to. There are many voices. There are many false teachers out there. Be careful. Be careful who you are listening to. And so John continues and he says what he has already said before, but he says it again and we're hearing it again. Kyle, thank you for sharing that. Alyssa, I've asked you to read 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 through 21. Go ahead. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made as complete. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Thank you, Alyssa. Sounds familiar again, doesn't it? Love. Loving other people, our brother or sister, our brother or sister in Christ, um, it, it, is, it is part of our DNA. This is, this is part of me. And if I claim to have a relationship with the Lord, I am called to also love one another. This, this is how we work. And so John is reminding us of this again here. Kyle and Alyssa, thank you so much. You guys can grab a seat. Appreciate you guys reading. Well, for the rest of the time here, I want us to look at what you see on the screen here, verses 7 through 11 here. I know that Alyssa read verse 11, but we're going to come back and read that one again and kind of conclude with that. But let's look at this, and you can follow along. Along, First John chapter 4, verses. we're going to begin with verse 7 here. It says this, Dear friends, so here again, here is this warm greeting. It's this, this very affectionate, I care about you. Dear friends, or some translations are going to say beloved, you who are dearly loved, let us love one another. Why? For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Stop there. We are called to love one another. Once again, we have this this call, this reminder, we are called to love one another. These verses, they take me back to my time as a kid. Um, thanks to, I, I think it was salty maybe. 
I don't know if any of you guys even know Salty or not, the singing song book. But I, I hear <laughs> You can hear it, yeah. So maybe, sorry, Stephanie, I'm going to sing it, okay? It, 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 was, um, it, was, it was basically these, these words here, and it's what I hear. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. That's how it goes. <laughs> Man, it's ingrained. It's in here. It's in that head and it will not go. And it's a good thing to have in here. We are called to love one another. We're called to love one another. Why? Because God is love. He is the author of love. His definition is love. He's love. And if I claim to know God, then I also must love other people. And I believe this goes, there are times where it says brother or sister, but there's times where it says we are to love one another. We go beyond the walls of this church. We are called to love one another. The world is to know us because of our love. If God loves the world, and I'm called to love as well. Let's read on verses 9 and 10. It says this, this is how God showed his love among us. So here is the example. This is how God showed his love among us. Before we read on, If you have a background in church, don't stop thinking. Because this is where it's so easy for us to kind of be like, I've heard, I I know this. I, I know this. This is how God showed his love to us. He, God, sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We are called to love, love in the Greek. I'm going to give you really quick four Greek words for love. And many of you have perhaps heard these before. In Greek, you could have had the word phileo or phileo. It was a friendship love. That's not the kind of love we're talking about here. But there was, they could have, when we have in English, we have just the word love. But, but the Greeks were a lot more colorful. And so they had, well, if you're talking about a friendship kind of love, you would use the word phileo. After Christ rose from the dead, it says that he went out and the disciples were out fishing. And they caught nothing. And Jesus stood on the shore side and called out, Hey, friends, 
Haven't you caught any fish? No, we haven't caught any fish. Well, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Oh, duh, of course. And they do that. And what happens? They get two boatloads full of fish. And Jesus is back on the shore and he's making them breakfast. And after their bellies are full, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's response was, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I have an affection for you. I have this friendship love for you. But interestingly enough, the word that Jesus used was not, Peter, I'm not asking you if you phileo me. I'm asking you if you agape me. That's what Jesus was asking. Jesus says, hey, Peter, I got a question for you. Do you agape me? And Peter said, Lord, I follow you. And that's why Jesus came back and said, no, no, Peter, I'm asking you, do you agape me? And Peter's response again was, Lord, I follow you. And then Jesus said, all right, Peter, let's cut to the chase here. Do you even follow me? The third time Jesus changed it and he said, Peter, tell me, do you phileo me? And that is when Peter says, Lord, you know everything, obviously. Yes, I phileo you. I have this affection for you. Number two, storge. Greek word storge. What is storge? It's an affection or obligation, but it is more in the realm of the family. It's the family. So the, the picture here is, it would be the love that you have for your parents. There is, regardless of the relationship, isn't this interesting how this works? Regardless of the relationship to dad or mom, even regardless of whether you know who the father or mother is, there is this, I have this obligation to love. I have this longing for love. This family love. Storge. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not the kind of love we're talking about here. Eros. Love. Third. Third kind of love. You can hear it here. Erotic. It is a love of passion. It's a love of passion. The basic idea of this love is self-satisfaction. It is, I love you because you make me happy. I love you because you make me happy. If Eros love ever gives... It gives in order to receive. Eros love, I give so that I might gain. I give so that I will get. Eros love. That's not the kind of love we're talking about here. The kind of love that we're looking at, agape. Agape love is unconditional. It is a love that gives Regardless. It gives regardless. 
It isn't tied to my merit, your merit, my worth, or your worth. It loves, period. Even when love is not worthy or lovable, this kind of love continues. It continues. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. What kind of love is this? Agape. This is agape love. This drives with what Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When I was at my worst, Christ extended his love to me. When I was at my worst, Christ demonstrated love in the greatest way that he could. I think of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where it tells us, Paul says, hey, let me just tell you how it is. You are completely dead in your sin. How much life is there in death? Nada. What can you do if you're dead? Nothing. There's nothing you can do. And Paul said, I'm telling you, you're dead in your sin. You are dead in sin. There is no life. There is no hope. There's nothing you can do about this. But God is saying this. I am love. I am love and I am demonstrating it in this. That even though you are dead in sin, I choose to love you. I choose to reach out to you. That's what God does. And you know what? Ephesians, it says this, that we were actually, and these are not popular words today, but it says we were objects of God's wrath. God who loves me, I am an object of his wrath. God loves you. Sin is what God does not tolerate. Do you see what's going on here? God's love is great. And God loves you. God loves the sinner. I'm the sinner. But because of sin, sin makes us an object of God's wrath. I don't want to be an object of wrath. I don't want to be that. And I don't want you to be that. But that is what makes God's love so great. It was in this moment when I was at my worst that God reached down in love and did something about it. Do you ever question whether God could actually love you? I don't know. Do you ever question whether God could actually love you? I've known a lot of people who have, have told me before. I don't feel like God could actually love me because I know the truth about me and I know who I really am. And I don't always quite honestly like who I am. I'm telling you, oh, yes, he does. I'm telling you, yes, he does. His love is great. 
Because while we were sinners, at our worst, God sent his son. So if he loved us in that moment, he still loves us now. I can't make you believe it. But I'm telling you this. This is the truth. God loves you. God has poured out his love on you. God is love. These verses go on and it tells us that God sent his son Jesus to be, the NIV uses the words, the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And that's what I'm reading out of. But I really want to use the word, the NAS or the ESV uses this word and it really is quite honestly the better word here. But it's a word we don't use very much. It's a word that maybe you've never even heard. Propitiation. We don't use that word. We don't talk like that. But it really is. God sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. The Greek word. It's the word hilosmos. It means appeasement. Satisfaction. The idea is to appease someone's wrath. God, who is great in love, sent his son Jesus to be the propitiation. Why? Because I'm sinful. And because I'm sinful and because of that sin, my sin becomes an object of God's wrath. God sent Jesus to go to the cross, to die on the cross for my sin, for your sin, for the sins of the world. He took my sin. This is the amazing exchange. Why do I say that? Because if I place my faith in Christ, Christ, who never sinned, took sin, took my sin, took your sin, took the sin of the world, not only in the year 2018, but for all of time, took that sin upon him. He who had no sin became sin for us. Why? So that we might become, here's the great exchange, God's righteousness. So that we could become his righteousness. Me, sinful. Christ takes my sin What do I gain? Because of my faith in Christ, I gain righteousness. I'm covered. Propitiation. Jesus. He satisfies the wrath that God spoke about in his word, that Paul mentioned in his writing. So that I can stand before a God who is, who is holy and righteous. Which, by the way, I'd be shaking in my boots, man. If I am to stand on my own before a holy and righteous God. But because of my faith in Jesus, and I trust because of your faith in Jesus. And I don't know how this will all get played out. But Jesus goes to my defense, and he goes to your defense. No, I died for that sin. He is covered by the blood, by my blood, which was poured out. I didn't do that for no reason. I poured it out, and Nathan placed his faith. I did, 
at a young age. And because of that, I'm covered. And if you have placed your faith in Christ, you're covered. There's a... This last week, I came across a story. And I don't want to be a pastor that uses stories where they're just these good illustrations and then we find out that they're really not true. <laughs> I, I don't really, I don't like that. I don't appreciate that. Oh, that's a nice story. That really works well. Or at least I'll, if I do that, I will do my best to just tell you this is just a story that is a story. Okay, so I was, I, I came across a story this last week and it was called, quote, lambing, like as in, bah, okay, lambing in New Zealand. And I came across it and I was like, this is an incredible story. But if it's not true, I don't want to share it. I'm not from New Zealand. So I have two contacts in New Zealand. One is a guy I met in Africa, actually, 10 year, 11 years ago or something like that. Awesome guy. Um, 20-something now. He was a teenager. I was over there ministering. And I was like, Brandon, you're from New Zealand. So I hit him up on Facebook. Can you tell me, is this, is this true? Uh, he got back to me last night. And then I thought, well, Dave and Lori have contact in New Zealand. And so I contacted Lori this last week. Lori, do you think that your son, Andy, would be okay if I contacted him? And asked him a question. I don't know if he'll have the answer. So Andy was really quick to get back to me. It was really cool to talk with Andy on online this last week. Andy, is this, is this true? So <clears throat> Andy said, um, Andy said, you know, Nathan, I've never really heard of this happening. But check out this website. And he gave me the link. And he said, this is mentioned. This is something that has happened. Here's, what, here's what's going on. Sheep. New Zealand is known for, for raising sheep. They've got lots of sheep. But in the birthing process, there are times when the young ewe lamb will not make it and die. Which means you've got a mother who is without the little ewe lamb. But sometimes you will have the mother who will die in the birthing process. Which means that you have a little ewe lamb who is without a mother. So the farmers, historically, I don't believe this happens anymore, really. I wasn't able to find this part, but historically, they would do this. They would take the mothers who lost their little ewe lamb and match them up and put the little ewe lamb with the mother and say, you two need each other. But it wasn't that easy. Because the problem is a mother lamb only will nurse the young that she knows is her own. And she knows it's her own by what she smells. And so the farmers got smart. And because the little ewe lambs that were, had died in the childbirthing process, they would take those lambs and they would skin the lamb 
and they would take the skin of the little ewe lamb and they would drape it over the orphaned lamb and then take that little baby lamb to the mother lamb. And the mother lamb would smell her own and she would nurse that little ewe lamb. On a much larger scale, it's what God has done for us. Our sin, it has separated us from God. But God in his great love, because he is the definition of love, reaches out. He has done something about that. Though my sin makes me an object of God's wrath. Because of God's great love, he sent Jesus. And Jesus will stand in my place and he will stand in your place so that I am covered, so that you are covered, so that my sin is not exposed. It, it, is, it is taken away. It is removed. As far as the east is from the west, That's what he does. And he gives me his righteousness. He gives you his righteousness. I trust. I trust that you know. I trust that you know this. We're going to prepare our hearts for communion. And this morning I have asked Ralph if he would share um, just a couple minutes as we do. I said, Ralph, would you share from your heart? What Christ has done as we prepare our hearts for communion. Ralph? Put this over. Where, where do I put go? Put this on the table? Oh, I got you. Right here? Okay. You're able to come over here? All right, go ahead. It keeps me upright. asked me to talk and I'll do my best. You will. I, you want me to hold it for you? No, no, no. You're good. Okay. He said he would use the microphone up here. What are we doing here anyway? We have a little bit of bread and some flasks that have been filled with grape juice. And it's so meaningless. 
unless we want to put a meaning to it. As I thought of this opportunity, the 11th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians speaks of our receiving the two elements. And it gives, it gives meaning to them. In the same manner, he took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That's what we're doing here. We're doing it in remembrance of our Lord. Not any remembrance, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, we will be doing that shortly. You proclaim the Lord's, what does it say? What does it say? You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Wow. A little bit of bread, a little bit of wine or grape juice. And we then proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Every time, every time this is passed or that's passed, every time that has come into our hands, every time we take it to our mouth, we proclaim <coughs> the Lord's death until he comes again. He's coming again, and when he does, we won't need this. We'll have him. But until then, let's proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You're actually eating the symbol of his death as often but for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's do it in joy. Uh, there's no, no reason for sadness at all. Let's proclaim it in joy with the help of our wonderful mates. God bless you, Pastor, as you lead us in the communion service. I would like to invite the elders and the wives who are able to come on up here at this time. We're going to prepare to serve communion. Please know that um, you do not have to be a member here at this church or even a regular attender, if you have placed your faith in Christ, this is for you. And we invite you to do this. I'd like to encourage you just to take a moment to, um, to talk with the Lord and um, prepare your heart to respond with what we have heard
this morning. Prepare your heart to respond. Take a moment to do that. Thank you for your love, your great love, which has been poured out on us. Father, this is something we do. We remember, we reflect. But like Ralph said, this is also a celebration. We're grateful that our sins are forgiven. What a beautiful word to be forgiven. So, Father, as we do this, may we do it with grateful hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask as the bread and the juice are distributed that you would just hang on to them until we all come back together and then we will take communion together.